At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, this podcast is sponsored by The Master Group. And listen, when I'm in Master, from time to time, I love looking at the yellow jacket wall that they've got set up of all the yellow jacket parts and knickknacks. And and I'll tell you right now, if you look at that wall, you'll see a lot of parts on that wall and fittings that you probably don't even know existed that could help you in your day to day, like the gas retention valve. Basically, it's a it's a, it's a fitting that goes on the quarter inch uh, service port of a system. And then it's got a T with another quarter inch service port. You put your hose or your your smart probe on there to measure pressure but it's got a little stem that pushes that schrader core in right to allow the pressure to to get into your gauge so you can read it and then when you're done you rotate that back out and it pops the core back into place which prevents you from getting liquid all over your fingers and stuff when you're trying to remove your hose because that core might be still pressed in when you're you know what i mean so just stuff like that is what I love to look at when I'm in master, that yellow jacket wall. It provides a lot of value. So check it out, guys, when you're in there. Go to master.ca for more info as well. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm excited for this podcast, and you guys are going to get a lot of value out of this podcast. Okay, but before I, I get to that, before we get to the guest... There's something that I was hoping you guys could do for me, and I think I asked in the last podcast or the one before that, but if you guys could go to Apple or whatever platform you're listening on, Apple seems to be the biggest one from the metrics that I see, and just write a review of the podcast, even if you're critiquing it in some sort of way, I think it helps me generate better content, right? I read through uh, some of the 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 previous reviews and there's one guy that gave me a three out of five and he said the content's good but the audio sucked or something like that but that was back in the day when i was trying to figure all this out and the audio did suck right and and it's reviews like that that help me get better create a better product for you to listen to so if you guys are enjoying the podcast if you guys are getting any value out of it if you could go and shoot me a review that would be awesome. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about something that's, that's cool, very cool, to be honest with you. And it's something that a lot of people don't know how to do on their own. And that's working on your business, right? If you own a HVAC, electrical, plumbing business, and um, working on it instead of in it. And what I mean by that is that if you're working in it, you're doing all the service calls, you're doing all the invoicing, you're doing all the quoting, you're doing... You're doing everything. You're working in your business. You're not working on it. You're not implementing systems and processes to grow your business, right? So we're going to talk to Danielle Putnam about that. Now, Danielle is the, uh, she is the president of a, a company called the new flat rate. We're going to talk briefly about, about what the new flat rate is as well, but we're going to have an, an awesome conversation about implementing processes in your business and where and when and, and how to do that. 
And Danielle is offering her process writing book to anybody that that wants it. You just got to give her, send her an email, and I'll leave that email in the podcast notes, so you guys can email Danielle, and you can say, "Hey, I, I would, I would love to receive your your process uh, writing platform, so I can check it out and start implementing them." But this is what it's all about. It's about working on your business to grow it, building value within your business, and moving off of some things that you do that is creating a burden in your life because. I know some techs that have went and started their own business, right? And you got to do this in the beginning, but you got to run the service calls and then you come home, you got to deal with all the paperwork and you might be up till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night dealing with all this. And that's not really the lifestyle that you probably want for yourself when you're running your own business. You want to you wanna eventually be in the position where you are basically the CEO or the president and, and you're sort of involved in the day-to-day but you're not doing every single task and I think that's that's the importance of this conversation and if you're not a business owner you can still get value out of this because you can write processes as a technician on how to help your apprentices or other technicians that maybe go to different sites right so give it a listen guys it's it's good information and I really enjoyed talking to Danielle she's very passionate about this topic This is the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Hey, Danielle, how are you tonight? I'm doing awesome. How are you, Gary? I'm doing good. I was trying to have a bit of a, a nap before we talked, but <laughs> with three three kids in the house, it's I had about five, I would say about five to seven minutes of peace. And then my son comes over with his Lego. He's like, Daddy, look what I made. And I'm like, I'll look at it in 10 minutes. I'm having a nap. He's like, no, now. Right? <laughs> so it didn't. It didn't really work out so good, so I kind of oh. got woken up in a, in a bit of a grumpy mood from from him. But that's that's okay. We're we're here and and we're uh, we're chatting, so it's all good. Okay. Good. Uh, well, I hope you can't hear them. I have three kids also, and two of them are still awake and they're upstairs screaming right now. So I'm hiding no, in the I, basement. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't hear anything. And and good. like I they're, said before, they're banging we, on the door, mom, and they're screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we got on, like I was saying, like your your mic or your headset sounds phenomenal. So, I mean, it's it's canceling out noise for sure. Good. I'll use it more often around them. What? You talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so we um we're going to talk about something that's that's pretty cool. And it's funny that we're going to have this conversation because I recently posted an article um, by a guest writer on my website, hvacknowitall.com, about pretty much the same topic. And that is basically when you're sort of like a, this is the premise of the article, and then you can kind of go down down the avenue you want to go down with it. But I'll, I'll just kind of set it up the, the way um, it sort of happened for me just within the last month, because it's, it's funny how we're talking about this. And this article just got posted on my website. And it was basically... Um, 
talking about a one man show, like you're in a truck, you're, 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 you're running service calls, you're doing installs, you're coming home, you're doing the invoicing and you're doing the quoting and you're doing everything. And when you do every job in, in the company, at some point, you're probably not doing every job the best mm-hmm. that you could possibly do it because you're going to burn yourself out at some point. And, and we're going to talk um, tonight about working on your business instead of in your business and sort of how you would even attempt to tackle that if you are a one-man show or if, if it's just you and maybe maybe you're, it's, it's a family business, it's you and maybe your wife helping you out or something like that. So break this down for us. How, how, do we, how do we work on a business and not in the business to make it more beneficial for us? Well, Gary, I love the topic and I feel like it's, you know, there's a lot of books, there's the e-myth. Uh, I just finished the e-myth HVAC contractor version. Uh, so they're out there and everybody talks about working on your business. But at some point I'm like, it's hard. Can we just be honest about that? We all want to work on our business and not in it, but it's very hard. And like you said, here you are an owner operator and you're in the truck and you're doing everything and you really don't have the time. And so what are you going to let go of? What are you going to sacrifice so that you can? And how do you actually work on the on? Um, You know, it all comes down to processes and we know that. So I don't want to beat a dead horse. We have to have processes in our business but how do you do it? So Gary, what I would say is, especially if like, if you're one, well, here, let me, let me start it this way. If you don't mind, let's look at it two ways and stop me if I talk too much. So let's say you're an owner operator, you're in the truck and you're trying to grow your business just to give yourself some freedom. Cause that's why we're in business anyway, right? We want to have some freedom. So if you're, you're in business, you want to give yourself some freedom and you know, eventually you're going to have to hire somebody, but what's that person going to do? So the easiest way to begin writing processes in your business so that you can begin working on is by doing it then and there. So we recommend this, Gary. Take a clipboard, put it in the truck, keep it with you with blank pages on it. And anytime there's something that maybe you shouldn't be the one doing, uh, say, for example, again, like you're an owner operator and you got to run to the bank or you got to go to the post office or you got to, you know, just do something that, that you really could hand that to somebody else. Write a process for it right then and there. If it's something that's bugging you, that's holding you back, that's slowing you down, take your clipboard with your blank piece of paper on it and write that uh, process to fix that pain of, hey, we're going to do this this way. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah, it does. It does. And and when you say write that process, so how do we go about writing the process? If if it is going to the bank and the post office and running these errands, like how would you suggest we write that up? Mm-hmm. Well, for my business, we had to write a process on how to take out the garbage because every week we rotate who takes the trash cans out to the road. And although it sounds like a menial, just you know, small, easy mm-hmm. task, how do you take a trash can out? One day the trash cans got set next to the mailbox. And so, of course, the dumpster, the dump truck comes by and takes out the mailbox. Well, again, maybe that's not that big of a deal. Just put a new mailbox up. But it was one of those big metal ones that was bolted down into the ground, into the concrete. So it took, you know, our guys going, taking, you know, a day, going to Home Depot, getting a new mailbox, going and uninstalling the old one, putting in the new one. And it actually costs a lot more money than we want to be honest about, right? You think that things that happen are only the cost of the mailbox but the cost of slowing down your business is much greater. 
So we wrote a one-page process and what that looks like is, again, it's just one page because if it's longer than one page, it's not a process. So on the very bottom of the page, we write the desired outcome. We put that uh, like subheading, the desired outcome, and then we write in one sentence what the desired outcome is for this process. And really, it's speaking into the future, like if this was done, this is what it would be doing. And so, hey, the desired process is to have the trash taken out, you know, very effectively and orderly and not take out the mailbox. And then above that, we start writing the process description and the steps on how to do it. And we actually, on this process, put a picture. We took a picture of how we wanted it to look, how spaced we wanted the trash can to be away from the mailbox, and put that right there in the process. And what that does, Gary, that sounds so menial and so dumb maybe of, oh, wow, Danielle's talking about writing processes for garbage cans. But what that does is as you finally get to hire somebody to relieve some of the pressure from yourself, you get to hand them the process so that it's it's really a way to scale your business. All of a sudden, they now know how to do it. You don't have to teach them. And if they do it wrong, you just go back and point to the process. And we need a process for answering the phones, for picking up parts, for you know running parts to the job site. Uh, who's going to do it? How are they going to do it? What are they going to drive? All those different things. So when we want to work on our business and we're so busy, I believe that we have to take the number one thing that bugs us today right then and there when it bugs us and write a process to solve that pain. And that will slowly start to eliminate some of that pain so then we can focus more on the business. But until we get the processes in place and get the busyness off our shoulders, we can't. Yeah, no, no, it, to- it makes total sense. And and I believe the, I was reading the, I've, I've, I've done some of it. I, I shouldn't say read. I was listening to it on Audible is the, the e-myth, um, not the HVAC version, just the, I think the, it's the original version. And um, the author, the author's name is Michael right. E. Gerber, I think it uh-huh. is. You're right. Okay. So yeah. So, so I think in that book, he was talking about the process of McDonald's hamburgers and how each one had a certain squirt of ketchup and a certain squirt of mustard. Mm-hmm. And anytime that somebody did it wrong, all you had to do is like, here's a sheet of paper. Here's the process of how we make the burger. This is how we make it so quick so quickly and and blah 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 and 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 I think that what you're saying relates to that and and I can and I don't own my own physical HVAC business but I can see that same process um maybe writing one of these up for <clears throat> apprentices that I have to train mm-hmm. or if they have to go to one of the buildings I I take care of where they don't go very often because every time someone goes it's like they got to call me I got to go say do this do that, go there, see that person. Um, yes. When you're done there, phone phone them. And then I, I have to have this conversation with everybody. So if it was just a written process that was emailed to everybody, all they'd have to go is into the email and go, okay, here's what I do when I'm here. Mm-hmm. So I can see how that al- would alleviate my pain a little bit. And if it's going to alleviate my pain in, in that little small sample size, I could see how it's going to alleviate pain for a business owner in, in a larger scale. That's right. And those phone calls that interrupt you, whether you're out on a call or whatever you're doing, the interruption, you know how long it takes to get your focus back to what you were doing before that interruption. And that's just more of the time that's being stolen from you so that you can't work on your business or your project or your position or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, But that process helps you to scale and scale your department, scale what it is that you do. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So, I mean, when when do you think the right time is to start hiring somebody to, to do these jobs? Because, I mean, if it's just going to the bank once a week or going to the mailbox once a week and it takes an hour of time, I mean, that is something that you're not going to hire somebody for. So when, when do you think you need to make the transition because you might may have to make the transit. Maybe you don't have a full week's week of work for that person yet. Maybe you've only got 60% of a week for that person to do, but you're probably gonna have to pay them for the full week anyway, if you want to keep them as an employee. So you, you kind of have to throw up that upfront money to invest in them. So when do you think the time is to, to say, Hey, I'm going to hire somebody and invest in this person because I'm growing and I'm going to need them I'm going to need them at some point to be full-time. So when when do we start implementing that? Great question. You know, the cool thing about adding employees is they come with a 12-month lease, which is that you don't have to pay their annual salary or, or whatever all up front. You can kind of pay it as you go. But not everybody's going to be salary. Some are hourly. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're in the truck, especially, it's going to come down to revenue. So if you're producing, you know, X amount as an owner-operator, if you're, you know, producing – 500,000, 800,000, uh, maybe even just 250,000. Uh, and you get out of the truck, for example, if you're going to hire a technician so that you can work more in the office or on those other things, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do to justify that? How much more are they going to sell? So you got to watch the revenue. Anytime that you hire somebody, they have to be tied to revenue. Uh, if you're going to hire somebody in the office, maybe somebody just for X amount of hours a week, it has to be able to free up your time so that you can produce the revenue to support that, right? Mm-hmm. And and a good rule of thumb is, for example, like a, a tech in the field a service, let's say owner operator, you're out in the field and you want to go into the business I and mean, you've got to be able to have uh, 175000 to 250000 per truck. And if you're going to add another truck, there needs to be a pathway to be able to generate that much more income. That's a rule that that we have found to be very effective. So, for example, I'm going to add a truck, and I, what do you have to have to make sure that you're going to get that 175 to 250 thousand income? Is you need a ringing phone, right? Do you have the leads to mm-hmm. keep them busy? If you don't have the leads, do you have some marketing ideas? Do you know how to start marketing? Do you have the money to start marketing? Are you already asking for referrals and doing all the things, following up with your current customer base? Do you have a customer base? There's a lot of questions. You probably didn't even want me to unpack all of those. Oh, I, hey, lots of questions. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's, there's a lot of things. Hey, but you know what? Something I did this week, Gary, I put an ad out on Indeed, uh, indeed.com. I put an ad out for just an administrative role, somebody to answer the phones and help with scheduling. So it's an entry-level position, should not be that difficult to find a good qualified person for, right? This was an easy Mm -hmm. role to fill. But I had 88 candidates, and I thought, you know, it's not the highest and best use of my time to go through 88 candidates. Like, what in the world am I thinking? I'm going to spend time interviewing and going through all these people. So I jumped on to Upwork.com. And Upwork, you just contract out. So I put on Upwork for free. I just said, hey, I'm looking for a virtual assistant, somebody that can go through all these candidates, pre-screen them, ask them the interview questions, and hand me back the top three people that you recommend for me to interview. So it was kind of a little weird. It's like I'm actually looking for candidates to find candidates, right? But I was able to be very specific 
saying that I was looking for a virtual assistant and I'd never used a virtual assistant before. So this was last um, Thursday. It was really recent. And right away, I got a bunch of people, nine people that accepted my project and, and wanted to do it. So I jumped on a Skype, had a call with this girl named Kristen, hired her on the spot because through Upwork, you can see how much money they've made, the successes, like five-star ratings, them working for other people. And all of a sudden, now Kristen has went and had all my pre-interviews for me and handed back on a silver platter. Hey, Danielle, here's the top three candidates that I believe would be the best fit for you. Here's the resumes, there's information, here's all their answers, all of their, she had them take proficiency tests and computer skill tests and mm -hmm. everything. So now all I have to do instead of going through 88 candidates is go through three candidates. But my point is, um, especially for somebody who's, hey, I wanna grow, I'm not ready to hire you know, somebody full time, but the virtual assistant route is not a bad idea sometimes. That That is a, a really good point, actually. And I know some people that have experimented with the virtual assistant. And, and I know there's websites that I've used like Fiverr um, and stuff like that, where there's freelancers out there that are basically competing for, for business. And you can see that they have good reviews. You can see that they are level one sellers. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how the tiers work, but I think a level one seller on Fiverr is like the highest you can go and you can you can do some background checking and Fiverr keeps the money be, until you're happy with the project, then they pay them. So oh. it's, I find it's a really safe way to do things. So is, is that sort of how, is that how Upwork works where you have to be satisfied with the project first before the person gets paid? Do you know? Well, I have paid her some, but good question. Uh, okay. I bet I, I bet you could do it. You can choose to pay them hourly or to, to pay by the project. And because this was a smaller mm -hmm. project, I chose to pay her hourly. So she submits her hours and I could dispute them. But I've just let it okay. my credit card and just bill through so far. Gotcha. Okay. So there's you gotta you gotta have some level of trust with people then, I mm -hmm. guess. But fortunately it's kind of like um uh, I was going to say like Uber, you know, you know, uh, somebody's going to pick you up in an Uber and you see how many trips they've taken, what their rating is. And that's how these things are. You can see that they've done successful projects for other people and what kind and read all about them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know a lot of people that have used virtual assistants in the HVAC world, you know, to be honest. But when it comes to some office stuff, it's an easy way to, even if it's a process, if you said, Hey, I'm going to get a virtual assistant and I'm just going to record, you know, grab your cell phone and audio record and text it to your assistant and say, Hey, type this up in a process. This is bugging me. And you just voice record something in your business that you need written down and recorded. That's the perfect type thing to send to a, a, VA, a VA virtual assistant. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm having these, these thoughts of, and, and there's probably other people listening that are having these thoughts. What about a virtual or a virtual assistant that is basically a dispatcher that is available 24 seven and mm -hmm. dispatches dispatches. Uh, so you don't have to hire somebody for X amount of dollars. Um, you hire a virtual assistant that is a dispatcher. Maybe that person who, who's that dispatcher dispatches for a few different other companies as well. <laughs> like mm -hmm. may, maybe this is, maybe this is a business idea where you pay like a, a monthly fee to this company and, and they dispatch for you. And they, they've got a map of your area, the truck numbers, the guy's names, the customer. Like, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot involved there, but I can see this being <laughs> a thing very, very soon, right? Because everything yeah. is going, everything's going virtual, and mm -hmm. and I guess 
it's I guess some people are calling this economy nowadays the gig economy where there's so much freelancing out there that everybody is doing right. a gig here, a gig there, and 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 moving on <laughs> to the next thing. And everybody's working for themselves. And you can actually hire out so much stuff nowadays. You don't have to hire a a marketing team. You can hire out um, marketers for Pieces. a short period of time. Or or yep. if 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 you're coding a website or an app or something, you don't need to hire a bunch of um, developers. You just hire them out for a short period of time, and then. Then there's no commitment. You're not paying them um, benefits, and they're they're dealing with their own stuff because it's their own business, it's their own thing, right? So this is the way of the world, and I I can see that dispatch thing being a thing within the next few years if it's not already. All right, guys, taking a quick break as usual. So this week I had the opportunity to make a video using the, the Navac NEF6LM. This is their new battery-powered flaring tool or cordless flare, flaring tool. So a lot of the argument was, hey, it's taking the skill out of the trade. Now, a lot of people made good points against why it's not. And, and just let me give you my, my opinion here. I think that everybody should know how to flare with a manual flaring block because... One day you might forget that tool on a job site. Maybe the battery died because you forgot to, to charge it or something like that. And it's, it's good to know how to do it manually. 100% it is. But once you already have that skill, once you already have that skill and you start using a cordless flaring tool, you're not taking the skill out of you. You know how to do it. You're just making your life more efficient. Okay. Um, one of the arguments was like, listen, we used to use hammers back in the day for framing. Using using a hammer is a skill. And, it, and if you don't think it is, go line up 20 nails in a 2x4 and try to nail them in without, without missing a nail. And if you see a framer with a hammer in their hand, that's good. They are exceptional. But then we move to the... What do we move to? We move to the nail gun. So is using a nail gun taking the skill out of the trade for a framer or is it just making it more efficient i mean that's a parallel that was that's one of the arguments that was brought up and, and i think it's a it's a good parallel argument anyway so i made that video i love that tool and i would use that tool before using my hand to twist a flare just because i love technology i love tools like this and the twisting of the hand this is this is an argument too guys and sorry for for going on about this but over time, twisting, and this is why we use impact guns, and this is why ergonomic hand tools have been created, is because over time, the twisting of the wrists, tightening of the hand, can cause injury, like carpal tunnel. And I know people that have been that have to leave their jobs on disability because of carpal tunnel. Okay, so it's just one of those things, guys. It's like longevity of the body, and, and a tool like that, like an impact gun, a nail, a nail gun, there goes my notifications. All these things help with longevity of the body and just make your life more efficient. Anyway, like I've mentioned in the past, the Testo 300, there's a gift card available for you guys for $100 if you buy the Testo 300 badass combustion analyzer. You just, it's a mail-in rebate thing. Once you, you purchase the tool, you go online, you fill out the form, you get your $100 gift card. The Blue On app, guys, the Blue On app is, there's like 17 or 18,000 techs on there now using it and 100% tech support, two-minute wait time on anything AC through the app is one of the features, one of the really nice features of that app as well. So we're, we're, we're doing some stuff with Dan Foss still, and one of the things that they did a couple of months ago 
was have their Cooling United live event, which was a two-day event filled with conferences and interviews and educational educational stuff. It's all on demand now. It's all on demand. And I'm going to leave that link for you guys in the podcast notes for you guys to go check that stuff out. Okay. Um, Supco. Now, I didn't know Supco made capacitors. Well, I probably did, but I, uh, I, I didn't really realize that because the Supco shelf at the supply house doesn't have the capacitors on. It's got all the cool tools, but I was talking to, um, I was talking to Melissa over at Supco about the magnet shelf and she's like, yeah, we, we have, um, the, the capacitor magnet and shelf, basically you, you zip tie the capacitor to it. It's got a magnet on the back and it sticks. She's like, we have capacitors as well. And I'm like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> I didn't know that anyway. So Subco has those and their trade Fox brand is all about technicians, um, inventing tools and helping them to bring those tools to market. And if you guys have an idea, Okay. There's an email address that you send your ideas to. It's, it's ideas at subcotradefox.com. And I can leave that for you guys in the, in the podcast notes as well. So guys, refrigeration technologies, the, 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 the argument with Nylog still is it voids warranty. Um, guess what? I haven't heard of anything, any, anybody voiding warranty for using Nylog. I have not heard of this at all. And it's basically or it, 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 it is, it's POE oil, nylon blue. Okay, so I don't know how somebody can tell you that it avoids a warranty when you're putting POE oil on a, on a flare and using it as insurance to, to help you prevent leaks in the future. I, I don't know how somebody could void that warranty. And if a manufacturer is listening to this, please reach out to me because I'd love to have this conversation with you about why you would tell somebody it voids a warranty if they're just trying to prevent a leak from happening. Anyway, enough of me rambling on. Let's get back to Danielle. Yeah, I know a friend of mine, he's a consultant. His name is Roger Davidson. And he actually does do some, I think he's got a call center that does do some virtual dispatching and is just getting started. But I don't know a lot of people that do it large scale. So I think yeah. there's definitely a play for it. Yeah, no, I, I know about the call centers and stuff that people use for after hours because I, I have a couple friends who they, they use call centers be, so the owner or the service manager is not woken up at three in the morning. Yep. So, But I'm, they don't use it during the day. They have their own dispatcher in the office right. that, that does all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just just an interesting type thing there. So, so back to what we're talking about. So you want to you want to step out and, and one of the the words that i had from from an email when we were um discussing this putting this podcast together is exit strategy now a lot of people start a business thinking about the freedom like you said and thinking about being their own boss and setting their own hours and and making making more money than they would make on their own hopefully or or working for a company hope, hopefully right? So exit strategy, explain that. (laughs) You know, I hear people say, uh, you know, you have to have an exit strategy. You have to have it. You have to have it. Um, Oh man. And and there's a lot of different ways. Hey, you can sell out as an exit strategy. That can be the way to do it. Or you can just be an owner, but not be the president or CEO, like not be 
involved in the day-to-day. You can just own the company and then hire a president or CEO underneath mm-hmm. you to run the business. And that could be part of your exit strategy. And it, again, just provides you freedom. But regardless of whichever way you want to go, or you can, you know, get bought out by a, a financial, um, you know, buyout, regardless of which way you want to go, people aren't going to just buy it because you have service calls, right? And so that's mm-hmm. where the process is. You have to have the processes in place so that you can prove your scalability, the consistency that you can replace. Like, for example, we know it's all about our people and our businesses. But if for some reason somebody leaves, you got to be able to put another person in that spot. Right. So those processes do help with that. And then, you know, long term, of course, exit strategy. People are going to want to know, do you have any recurring revenue, the health of your customer base? the longevity of your customer base. So there's there's a lot. These days they call it value building. You want mm-hmm. your company to be as valuable as it can be today. So every day when yeah. you're working on your business, hey, how can I make it be as valuable today as it can be? Yeah. And, and I think to get values, you have to put a, a, a ton of money back in. And I was talking to... Um, I was talking to a gentleman, or I, 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 he is a gentleman, but he, he refers to himself as a kid that looks like he's 13 years old. He's like, <laughs> his name is Caleb, and we were talking about he's he's a financial advisor, and he was on the podcast. And one of the things that stuck with me is you need to put the money back in to what drives the bottom line now, mm. and that kind of makes sense to what you're saying is value, and you don't get value without driving your earned money back into the business because mm-hmm. if you don't do that you're not going to make it valuable and 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 when i i say that i mean it's like hiring the right people keeping those people um training them putting um more emphasis on on extended training like continuous training like we can't just send them to one training mm-hmm. and then yeah you're good to go it's like you need to be <laughs> right. constantly trained because things are constantly changing and you need to keep your yes. employees um at the best they can be um, with within your business and keep them happy. And I think that's creating value in your business. If, if the employees want to be there and they want to work for you and they're well-trained and, and they're well-paid, uh, that's, that's creating value right there in my mm. mind. It really is. Yeah. You know, I did an interesting um, exercise with my team this morning. You know, you're talking about training. I think it's so important. And in, in the HVAC world, we fall short. We get busy. We start dispatching from home. We let the guys, you know, take their trucks home, which is a company perk. Then they get dispatched directly from their home to the first call. And you lose a lot of that team camaraderie and, you know, businesses that are really successful and have been running for 40 years don't find themselves having weekly meetings or daily meetings. And it's easy to get away from that. Um, But the importance of meetings is to retrain and retrain especially sometimes you forget that you have, hey, this new person joined our team this year and they don't know X, Y, Z, right? So the importance of, of training. But this morning I got my team together and just did a different exercise. I just asked them, I said, hey, this is open and honest. Nobody's going to get in trouble. I just want to know. And I, I took notes of everybody and I called them all by name. Take a second and write down, where do you fall short in your job? Like you're not in trouble. But I just want to know, where do you feel that you're not doing very good in your job? And then they thought about it and they wrote it down. And then I asked, now go ahead and write down, what do you like to be rewarded for? Not like how, you know, you want cash or you want more vacation times. 
but what do you want to be rewarded for in your job? What I was looking for, Gary, is some sort of a metric to know, for example, hey, technician John does three service calls a day, averaging you know X amount. This is the closing rate, and I can watch the metrics to make sure he doesn't get any zero calls or you know, whatever it is. But for, for my people, I was looking for metrics. And it was really neat. Those two questions, I learned so much about my team when they said where they failed, it automatically showed me, oh, I need to train on that. Oh, they're insecure about this because they don't, they don't know. I need to retrain on that. Whether it's business processes, business softwares, even things, you know, outbound phone scripts. Like when you ask those questions, you learn so much if your team is used to a a nice open environment where they can be honest. But then on the reward side, what do you want to be rewarded for? You know what they want, Gary? I'd love to hear it. (laughs) They said they 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 wanted a whoop whoop every once in a while. I was like, what? Uh, What's up? Just like a pat on the back. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, you know, if I did something good, I just want to whoop whoop. (laughs) Like I can't even make that sound. But yeah, they wanted a pat on the back. They wanted everybody to know they did a good job. So when you're talking about, you know, keeping your people for a long time and having that culture that builds value in your business so that you can have a better exit strategy in the future, finding out what's really important to your people isn't, you know, always what we think when we're thinking, oh, they want fast cars and lots of money. You know, they they really want to feel good at the end of the day that they contributed, that they were a part of a team, they did a good job and they got recognized for their work. Yeah, that that is that is that that is a great meeting, by the way. That that you 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 did that and and you took that on to do that because yeah, you you do as long as <clears throat> the employees of the business feel comfortable, they are going to be honest and they're gonna they're gonna write down or yell out their downfalls for you to see. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, and and then when they do that, yeah, you can train them on what they need to be trained on, and then it just brings them up to a higher level, which brings the business up to a higher level. Right. Um, and, and I, I, for one hate meetings. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of meetings cause I find a lot of meetings are people talking and nothing mm-hmm. being resolved. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I find meetings are. There's so totally. much waste of time sitting around talking to people where you come back to the next meeting and nothing you talked about last meeting is even resolved. Yeah. So those are, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of meetings because of that, but Meeting, if, if we can get into a meeting every once in a while, write down the things that are bugging everybody mm-hmm. and then come back and give follow-up and feedback and resolve those things, then I think we're accomplishing something 100% for sure. Yeah. And you know, death by meetings. Everybody hates meetings, really, especially when you put it at that light. So something that, mm-hmm. that we've been practicing is having a DRP. Anytime that we have a meeting of any sorts, you have to make a decision, especially if it's about something, unless it's a training. But if it's a meeting then you have to make a decision and you have to have a DRP, a directly responsible party or person. So, hey, we decided we need this process written. Who's going to write it? You're going to do that, Annie? Okay, great. Uh, Can you have that to me by Friday at this time? You have to have a due date as well. Otherwise, to your point, next week we're going to be talking about the same thing and we're going to forget who we assigned it to. So when we have meetings, we have to make a decision before we leave the table. Otherwise, it was wasted time. We have to have a directly responsible person for who's going to carry out what we decided on in that meeting with a due date. 
Yeah, that that is another good thing. And and I I listen as you're saying that I'm I'm like this is ringing a bell to me because I I listen to a podcast called social media Mar- social media marketing and and it's a really good podcast on different things you can do within social media like Instagram and Facebook to 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 create more engagement and 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 to get people talking and stuff like that and building a tribe and and the host of the show he was saying the same thing. It's like, if we have a meeting, it's like, or, or there's something to be done. It's like, okay, so I'm going to ask who's, who's, who's doing, who, who is hosting the meeting? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be responsible for carrying out the task? And, and it's like, there's no meeting unless you can provide me with these three points. Right. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise it's just a whole bunch of ideas <laughs> that are flying at the guy and he's like okay i don't okay first we need we need some structure here and, and i think that's probably a process that he's written up he's like we need this this and this i need to know who's carrying on the meeting right who's going to be responsible for dealing with the tasks after um and and what the outcomes are going to be or, or what we're trying to accomplish by by this meeting so if we don't have those things we don't carry out a meeting mm-hmm. at all that's right yep cool so I, I think that you, we, we talked briefly and, and I wanted to kind of um, allow you to talk about this, this app that you are, you've obviously developed and, and it's a business called um, the new flat rate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit about that? I couldn't spit that out. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I love talking about it. I love being an entrepreneur. It's just so fun to build business and to be able to help people. And uh, so the new flat rate, we are a pricing company. We help HVAC, electrical and plumbing contractors to price their jobs, you know, mainly primarily residential. And so when somebody goes into the home, a technician goes to the home and does the diagnosis, then how do they price that job? So with the new flat rate, they simply open up the app and they follow the uh, index to say, hey, this is, you know, a a water heater or maybe this is a compressor or whatever the task is or the problem is that day. They go through the index and they select a page and it's a menu. It has five different price points. So, Gary, they walk into the customer. Mr. Customer, do you have a minute? Uh, I found the problem. I'm a little concerned, but don't worry. I have some options for you. And they simply explain what they have. They turn the iPad to the customer and they show the customer five prices to fix their problem. Kind of like good, better, best, but even better because it's five choices. And what we've found, Gary, is 80% of the time when the technician just is quiet and lets the customer choose, the customer upsells themselves and chooses higher than the bottom option. So what that does is it just increases the bottom line for uh, for the company. And it helps the, the customer because there's no pressure. There's no sales. They get to choose the level of service that they want, and 80% of the time, they buy more than would have been offered with basic flat rate. And so it's a menu instead of basic flat rate in an app. Really easy to use. But, you know, we call ourselves a process development company, too, because some of these processes that we've talked about today is what we focus on in helping businesses to to get these established in their companies. Yeah, so I, I, I do have some questions on on how this works. So how there's, – there's so many different types of – um, brands out there of, of different equipment and stuff like that. And, and depending on where you live, there might be a different price from this supplier or that supplier. So like, how are these prices put together based on equipment and based on where you live and what supplier you're going to and all that? How does that work? 
Yeah, good question. Thanks for that. Well, equipment wise, you know, we get a little bit more information on the front end when we build your system for you. Uh, we, we can build it really quick. We've been doing this for long enough now that, you know, we can have somebody up and running and have their prices within 24 hours. But when it comes to the equipment, we actually do get a two page intake form of, you know, what what brands do you like to use? What are your more premium? What are your basic systems that you install? And then we do ask for some of the basic costs, the box costs of those. What is it that you're currently installing? And a lot of the times, you know, contractors will just send us a list from their supply house. Just, hey, here's, you know, what we use and what we pay. And so we build that into the back end and then we um, help get it all marked up where it needs to be based on the services and the value that's going to be provided. So for equipment, um, it's a little bit more like that. You know, individually, we work with each company company to to do their own prices. But residentially, we already have all the pricing and material and everything in the back end. And we update those um, quarterly ourselves on our back end. And so from the contractor, we just get what's their billable hour, their service and uh, diagnostic rate, and their service agreement rate and the taxes in their area. We take that information and then we're able to output the prices. We send them what we would recommend to be their prices. And then of course they can tweak it and change it and they have access to do that in our back end at any time anyway. But um, when they say, yeah, that looks good, we go ahead and we push it through to their app and they're up and running. Gotcha. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm getting it now. So basically you customize you customize it to the the actual company that's that's going to be opening it up and using it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, we definitely don't price fix. And so different markets, different areas. But when it comes to, to products and parts, Gary, we um, don't we don't list part names in the price book. So when a customer, a homeowner is looking at it, they don't say, oh, you know, this is such and such. Let me just Google that. Why are you charging X when I see it here on Amazon for Z? Um, so instead, we keep it in in customer terms of this is what we're going to be fixing and this is what we're solving. And we don't talk about parts unless they ask if they want to know specifically what you're going to install. Well, then, you know, what is your company like? What brands do they like to use? Then you tell them what you got on your truck and what you're going to be putting in that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a huge challenge now for the residential um, technicians mm-hmm. is the homeowners because and, and I talk about this um, all the time is like when you're in residential you're going into somebody's home. That's their mm-hmm. castle, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's their possessions in that house. It's their money that they're paying you. And then when you're in the, the land of commercial, it's, it's a building that the, the, the building manager or util, um, uh, facilities manager or maintenance person or whatever there it's, it's not their building. They, 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 they get paid to work there. But it's not it's not theirs. Um, the money that they're spending is not their money, so right. it, they're not atta- they're not attached to it. So residential is a different animal. You have to deal with people in in a different way, I think, because they're so attached to um, their home and the money that they're spending. So and, and that is a challenge with you going and saying, "Yeah, you have a, a bad capacitor, um, sir or ma'am, and I, it's going to cost you three hundred dollars to change it." And they go mm-hmm. on Google and see the capacitor for like four dollars, and they're right. like, "Well, come on, why?" And then, then you have to have this conversation, and, and I always say, "Listen, you got to tell them like we've spent 
hours of our time mm-hmm. training and educating ourselves, paying for our tools. Um, if you're a one man show, I have to buy this truck to drive to your site, the gas Eat. and everything. And, yeah. and you have to, the, the customer needs to understand that, I think, um, in, in order to know where the cost is coming from. But I can see that being super challenging when mm-hmm. the capacitor is three or four bucks on Amazon and the tech is trying to charge mm-hmm. $300 to replace it. So it, it's good in a way that um, you're describing the repair rather than having the part there because I, th- I don't think a lot of customers really care what the actual part is. They just want it fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, the odd customer does. They want to know everything. They'll, they'll, <laughs> the they'll, they'll spy. Yeah, they'll spy. They'll, they'll watch you do everything and ask you a ton of questions. And I mean, that can be a pain in the butt at times, but it's their house. They have they have every right to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. so how how like so the app you just it's it's a mobile app or is it also mm-hmm. like a a web-based program that you can pull up on your laptop like how does that work yeah good question right now it's on ios ipads and android devices mm-hmm. and we're we're actually in the middle of the the mobile version that you could put up on pull up on any uh, tablet at all and also laptops and everything um that will be uh, ready very soon as well. So you'd be able to access it on any device. But right now we're on iPad and Android. Uh, so yeah, it's just an app. You go out and you can open it anywhere, even if you don't have a Wi-Fi connection or data, if you're in a rural area, uh, it'll of course store everything until you get back into better service. So you can use it, you know, under houses or out in the in the boonies at any time. Uh, and it, you know, Gary, it really provides consistency. So as you're trying to grow your company, it helps you to to get, you know, because you know, so many owner operators or you know, young companies who does the pricing. The boss does, right? The techs out in the field and they call in, hey, boss, you know, what should I charge for this? And the boss is bombarded with that, and you can't scale that way. Or you know, with flat rate, they try to put the pressure on the technician. Hey, why didn't you sell more? Why didn't you bring more money back today? Why didn't you offer them this or offer them that? Well, because the tech just wants patted on the back and doing a good job for what they love to do, which is fix things, right, Gary? I mean, that's their DNA. So the the app does the selling for them. You just, like I mentioned, do the diagnosis, walk through the index, present the app to the customer, and the customer chooses the level of service that they want. And surprisingly, it's really cool to see you just don't know people's budgets. And in our industry, especially doing so much service work, uh, you know, in the home, it's easy to arrive on site and see, oh, they have a BMW, they have a Land Rover, they have this, they have that, and prejudge, they have money. Or, oh, their car's all old beat up, or it's not a nice house, they don't have money. I mean, haven't we all done it? And I hear it all the time. I know in our industry, it's rampant with prejudging the customer. So when you put the menu in front of them, it takes all of that off the table. There's no room for judgment. The customer chooses based on their budget and what's important to them. Safety is very important. Health, very important, especially right now with COVID happening all over. People want to make sure that they have clean air in their homes. They want to make sure that their family's protected. So when you give them five options and the top is the premium, they're going to pay a lot more for something if it's what they really care about. Yeah, and 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 I, I totally agree with options for customers. I I don't like when a uh, a technician, um, some technicians don't even diagnose; they just jump to conclusions and say you need a brand new unit. But I I like I like the fact that there's options there because if you if you give options, at least like you said, they they get to choose. And I think that you can educate 
the customer on each option as well and say, this is why this option costs this much. This is why this option at the bottom costs this much because you get this for that. And, and, and like you said, at the end of the day, you don't have to say anything mm-hmm. once you've educated them and you put the pricing in front of them. They can choose what they want. And, and I do think that is, that is a great thing that the options are there for them to choose and they're not being force fed to choose by you saying something that you potentially shouldn't say to make a sale. That's right. And then 80% of the time they choose higher options, which means the technician gets to go back to the shop and say, Hey, you know, I sold X amount today and, you know, get those great pats on the back and maybe even be bonus and incentivized for that. But what's awesome is he didn't have to pressure the sales. He got to do what he loved and he came back and he brought more money back to the company so that the company can be more stable because we need cash flow, right? The more cash flow we have, the more stable we can be to either grow or maintain whichever one is in our, like you said, exit strategy or legacy plan. Maybe you just want to own your business for a long time and be comfortable. Well, you need cash flow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that was that's my other. Um, you just reminded me when you said cash flow. How how does it work with the app? Work with the business's um, accounting software? Does it like? Is, are they linked together? So if, when they choose the option, you click it and they, it cr- generates an invoice that's linked to the accounting or is it separate? Yeah, great question. So many contractors use a service and dispatching software program these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that case, we provide an import file with all the task codes and the descriptions that go into. So they'll use the new flat rate to do the selling and then they use their service and dispatch program to do the accounting in the back end and the invoicing and they close it out just like they normally would. Um, but some people, like even if you just use QuickBooks, right? It's not an all-in-one. Use the new flat rate to do the selling and the, do the pricing of the job. And then you go into QuickBooks and put the task code in there and populate the invoice. And we do have a um, credit card piece too. So you can use our invoice and process the credit card, especially if you're a one-man truck and you don't have a service and dispatch program, or even if you have a couple trucks. And, and again, you don't have a service dispatch program. If you're just dispatching from Outlook or something and using QuickBooks, then you maybe want to process the credit card in our app. So we do have options. Cool. Cool. So, I mean, you, um, like, I, I just, we, this is going backwards the way we usually do things, but I usually try to get a, a bit of a, a background on, on how, like, how did you get into all of this? Because, I mean, this seems like it seems like you're really passionate about it, and you're and you're talking um, with the terminology that a technician would use and and stuff like that. So you've obviously been around this type of industry for a while. Like how how did you like what's your background? How did you get into this this stuff? I was born in the trades. Nice. <laughs> well, my dad was a contractor, and when I was seven, he started his own electrical company, electrical contracting company. And so we went door to door passing out flyers, my siblings and I did, saying, my daddy just started a business, you know, here's a flyer. And when we did that, he got his first call from a waterbed store. I don't even know if they sell waterbeds these days, but Rainbow Waterbeds uh, called up and uh, used my dad's electrical business. And so that was the start. And then when I was in high school, he bought an HVAC and plumbing company. And so I had to, I got to, I shouldn't say had to, uh, got to work in the office and, um, you know, did dispatching and call taking and ran a lot of parts and did inventory in the warehouse and helped with marketing. So I was always involved in the business and being a contractor's daughter, you know, everybody thought we were so rich 
And it was such a struggle. Most of the time we were so broke, but because we had cool things and cool toys and, Hey, there's a dump truck and, or I mean a um, bucket truck and there's scissor lifts. There's all this cool stuff, you know, at our house or my dad had a shop. And so it was so cool that people think that you're so rich. And I was like, I love contracting. <laughs> it was so fun, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a struggle. You know, my dad was always trying to make it and always struggling and struggling with pricing. And so later I went off to college, long story short, I went all over the U S and all over the world doing different things. And in 2011, um, my dad and I kept talking and talking about this new flat rate concept. And we had discovered in his business um, by providing options, customers would buy more and that was fixing his cash flow problem. And it was my brother who was his technician who had been handwriting all these invoices, providing customers with options. So my dad goes and pulls six months worth of tickets and says, oh, I see the pattern. I bet we can do something. Danielle, I need your help. And I was like, ah, I'm living in California at the time. I loved life. But when your dad calls, I mean, I knew I would regret it if I didn't risk it and, and to see if we could do something together. So I moved back to Dalton, Georgia, which is where we're at now, a small town. And uh, we spent a whole year building the new flat rate. And by 2012, we had not only done HVAC, we'd done plumbing. We were starting electrical and uh, we had some traction and had proven a product. We did a lot of beta testing. And we actually, Gary, didn't turn into a software company. We didn't have our app until 2017. So until then, we were just a printed uh, price book company. And so we're a young software company, but we're um, really growing and adding a lot of new features and, and benefits all the time. So it's been a really fun road. I get to work with family. My dad is, uh, you know, CEO. I'm president. We get to run the business together, but now he doesn't come in that often. Uh, he is into woodworking now. So he hangs out in his shop and does woodworking, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. But that's, that's how I got into it. And know is that, you know, I've just been around the family business for forever and I'm passionate because now we see the value that our system brings to contractors as it increases their cash flow. And um, then they're able to make position or decisions from a position of strength. And that's really rewarding. So I can see what your dad did there. He he implemented you into the business to provide him with an exit strategy to that work is on what wood, he did. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that, that's cool though. And 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 I like that story about how your dad was in the trades and he was struggling with cash flow and he leaned on you and you you went on his beck and call and now you guys own a business together helping other contractors that that that's that's a phenomenal story so i'm glad i asked you the background of of this and how you got into that because that's really amazing hey i appreciate that and i can't uh, not call out my brother too if you don't mind my brother matt who was the one running service calls when we were starting the new flat rate he was still running service calls and so he'd be running you know from the shop to the truck and on, on all the calls all the time and i'd run out asking him hey you know matt what materials go in this and hey what about that and hey what about this and we really couldn't have done it without him and he doesn't get enough credit and so today he's our vp he's our head trainer and he is um does ride-alongs out in the field with contractors every other week he's all over the us and canada and is so um really one of the best trainers that we definitely know and he is the one gary that taught me how to do processes my brother did mm -hmm. so all these processes so we've talked about today i mean it was really his brainchild i can't take credit for it yeah so was was he reading the uh the e-myth as well it broke up say it again it was was he reading the e-myth as well to to 
get into that mindset of the of the processes and stuff? No. No. And, and you know, the process mindset didn't like we know about the e-myth and the whole working yeah. on, but I think when we read it, there was still a question mark for us. We're like, okay, but how do you do it? And in mm-hmm. our pain, we stumbled upon the one page process. And Matt says, This is how you do it. Boom, done. I was like, okay. I can run with that. And now I can tell a lot of people about it. Yeah, it's it's very it's very cool. And 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 that that book, I think they they um talk about them as being systems, mm-hmm. but process systems sort of the same thing. And 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 one of the things that resonated with me is that when you build a business and you know what? I I'm starting to get all foggy here because the person that told me about the the e-myth the original e-myth was ken goodrich um because mm-hmm. he was on the podcast and he co-wrote the hvac version with michael e gerber mm-hmm. right yeah. um and and i can't remember if it was him or if it was in the book but he's like basically create systems for your business where you could take that business mm-hmm. pass off a, a book to somebody in another country and they could start a successful business using your processes right Right. And, and, and that I think is where the magic lies is, is in your processes and how successful they are. It is. And you know, it's easier said than done though, because how do you get that book created? And we're all overwhelmed with the thought of, I don't have time to just sit down and write that book. And so that's why I just developed this process writing kit and it's a clipboard with the templates and processes in it of, okay, I'm just going to grab this. And when something bugs me or pains me, I'm going to stop what I'm going to do or what I'm doing right then and there and write the process. And so I don't know if you ever do giveaways on your show, Gary, uh, but I do. I I do giveaways on Instagram and Facebook all the time. Okay, good. I'd love to give away that process writing kit and, and physically mail it to anybody that wants it. Sure. Yes. Send me, um, send me some information on it, some pictures and stuff, and we can, put something together for sure. Okay, great. I'd love to offer it. Awesome. Cool. So, I mean, that's anything else, anything else you want to throw in or pack into the, in, into the interview here? I mean, we got, we got a couple <laughs> We kind of went all over, you... right? I feel like we yeah. talked about working on, we talked about meetings, we talked about training, we talked about exit strategy. That's what it's all about. Open, open <laughs> yeah. and honest conversation that just flows, right? Yeah. But you know, I, I love the, I love the trades. I love contracting. I love, you know, HVAC guys really appreciate them and uh, love working with them. Love being a part of the industry. I'm, I'm really proud. I know you've had some of my friends on your show before that have also given a shout out to women in HVACR, but I can't help mm-hmm. but to give a shout out to them too. Cause it's just such a great support group and network. And we're helping to bring more women into the trades because we need more the merrier, right? Oh, I've, I've been talking to a ton of uh, females in the trades lately, and I have some more to talk to. I've got a, a ton more to talk to, and I'm, I'm tracking them down one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and when they come on, they're so, uh, honestly, every female I talk to, they're so cool. They're just so mellow. They're so honest and so open about their experiences in, in life in the trade. And it's, it's a very refreshing thing to, to talk to the females in the trade because you get a totally different perspective. Oh, right than than a, than, yeah. than a man would give you because I don't know what it is about about a a man that's been in the trades for a certain period of time but they develop like I'm a man this is the way I do it don't tell me <laughs> and but but when I talk when I talk to females in the trade it's a totally different mm-hmm. conversation and it's so refreshing mm. you know it's so it's easy for us it's easy for us to say ah, I tried that that didn't work and it took me forever now I figured this out and 
I don't know, maybe because we like to talk and share, but yeah, it's, it's all growth. I mean, we're all growing and learning. And, you know, you remember when you were young, like I remember being in high school of, you know, I'm going to be, you know, this such and such entrepreneur by the time I'm 20 years old. And, you know, all of a sudden you're almost 40 and you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm not 20 anymore. I, you know, can't believe all the things that I know now versus what I knew then. But we're finally starting to realize the processes in life and just how we grow over time. And I don't know, I just, I guess as a woman, um, the honesty, it, I, I am glad that you appreciate all the ones on your show because it's easy for us to be honest of our trial and errors, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And and speaking of g- growing older in the processes, I wish I could take my brain now and insert it into my twenty year old body. Right? Um, because I, I think I could. It, it, you you could do some you could do some crazy things in your life if if you could take your lifetime experiences up to like a, a almost like the prime of your life and put it into the into the, your young self. Imagine mm-hmm. the damage that you could do in in life with that kind of uh, knowledge in a young body. Well, that's right. You know, when we're young, we just haven't lived long enough, especially when it comes to contracting and, you know, being a technician out in the field is it takes time and experience to really become an expert because you have to see, you know, different things break down in different environments over time to become an expert, to know your, your skill and your trade. Mm -hmm. 100% you do. Yeah. It's all about experience. Cool. All right, Daniel, that was, uh, that was awesome. Um, and I will definitely put some sort of giveaway together and, and I really appreciate your time tonight and it's, it's been great talking to you. Uh, hey, I appreciate it, Gary. It's been fun and thank you for your time too. I'm glad to have the conversation. Awesome. Well, that was a great story from Daniel about her dad struggling for the cash flow and him reaching out to her and, and her helping. And now they got this, this business together and and they're working together to accomplish something and to help out technicians and companies and, and the trades and in general. Right. And, and the conversation we had about building processes is, is so true. And like we talked about the e-myth is a book that sort of sparked that idea in my head as well. Uh, cause I've listened to probably most of it on audible. I haven't listened to the whole thing. I'll admit, um, sometimes I jump around and, <laughs> but I'm, I, I got to finish listening to it. Um, I haven't, I haven't read or listened to the, the HVAC version of that book yet, but I heard it's phenomenal as well. So thank you, Danielle, very much for getting on with me and having this conversation that is so, so important because a lot of people don't know how to do this and they struggle. They struggle to find ways to move out of doing everything into just taking a step back and allowing other people to fill these roles for them. And I know it's a struggle for people to, uh, to, to start doing this in the beginning, but once I think you get the ball rolling on it, I think you'll probably find that it's more beneficial to you um, health-wise, stress-wise, and you can concentrate more on putting value back into your business and growing it. So anyway... That's it, guys. Thanks once again to the Master Group for sponsoring the podcast. Check them out at master.ca. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. 
This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.